Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Making Sense of It All with Jesse Stakes. I feel really fortunate to be able to bring you this week's guest. His name is Ben Hippoly, and he is the founder of Benchmark Training. Benchmark Training works with their clients to build a culture of profitability through people development. What does that mean? Well, you're about to find out. But before we get there, let me give you a little background on Ben. Ben has successfully started multiple businesses throughout his career. And as you will hear, not only does he work with leaders and sales professionals, but he's also a professor of professional selling at the University of North Florida. To steal a line from their website, Ben helps bridge the gap between college graduates and the business community. So let me get out of the way and let me let Ben share his story with you because he does a far better job than I do. Let's jump into it. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. Jesse, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. So we've been trying to get this done for a while, and I'm really happy to have you. Tell my audience a little bit about Benchmark Training and what you guys do. Oh, man. Uh, Thank you for that opportunity, actually. So Benchmark Training, we're an executive coaching and sales training company. So that can mean so many different things, right? You've probably heard that before from other places. Like, what does that really mean? So our, our tagline, if you will, is building a culture of profitability through people development, right? So the, the key there is developing the people on a company or a team so that they understand what it takes to put all the pieces together and follow the mission of the company. It, it seems like a lot to bite off. Yes. You know, it is. And that's what makes the the role so exciting. I got to say, of all the things I've done throughout my career, this is probably the one where I've I've never had a day where I don't want to go to work. Like I've never had a day where I'm like, oh, I got to do what? Like every day is exciting. We're we're, uh, faced with so many problems of our clients. Uh, You know, that's what we do to solve their problems. So it's problem after problem. And we get a chance to help them navigate through that. And then, of course, go back to profitability. Like, how do they grow their company? How do they achieve the goal set? I got to imagine none, no two days of yours are the same. I mean, you're dealing with you're dealing with different different businesses, different clients all the time. Man, that is that is so true. You know, in fact, even in situations where we're working with the same teams, um, you know, sometimes we'll work with the same teams for weeks in a row, 12 weeks in a row, 16 weeks in a row. And though Thursday at three o'clock is always the same group or the same team, the topics are different. The challenges are different. It's pretty exciting. I love it. No doubt. No doubt. And I got to imagine the last few years, I mean, I I think people have beat the, you know, the COVID drum to death or they, you know, they've talked about quiet quitting, all of those things. But, but especially in your line of work, the last three years have, have to look significantly different than what they look like three years prior. You know, we're we're pretty fortunate, actually. So we did the virtual thing. Our business model is virtual and has been prior to COVID. So years before okay. COVID, we were working with teams virtually all around the globe. And in fact, to sometimes convince leaders that this was a great method and here's why and here's how it's going to be effective. So when COVID hit, we didn't have to sell that one angle anymore, right? Because we're so used to virtual. 
um, but really didn't change that much for us. Now, it did change a lot for our clients. I mean, a lot of them were were deer in headlights trying to figure out what to do, how to navigate all the changes that were happening. So many different like stories and angles that were being thrown at us um, you know, as, as organizations. And so we had to help them navigate that. And in most cases, this was the first time we were dealing with it as well, too. So it was a, it was quite a ride and definitely grew a lot from that, for sure. No doubt. Well, and it's probably incredibly advantageous and kind of almost a happy accident that you guys were already doing the virtual thing or you guys were already set up for it. You guys kind of had mastery over it before it happened because there were so so many people I can remember. There were a million people that had, you know, that you were using those encyclopedias that were gaining dust to prop up their prop up their 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 cameras in the right direction or they were trying to figure out what does Zoom need to look like from my side. <laughs> Yeah. And, and actually, we got pretty lucky. So when I first started teaching in the at the university setting and, you know, focus on professional selling, um, walk into a classroom for the first time and had to learn all kinds of crazy things. And, and then um, my boss came to me and said, hey, what do you think about teaching professional selling virtually, you know, doing it uh, virtually in a classroom? And my first thought in my head was that's impossible. No way. And for some pretty dumb reason, actually, my mouth said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Like, let's try it. (laughs) Um, And luckily, I got a chance to get a lot of training on what is what is needed to work with teams and large groups of students, small groups of students in a virtual setting and, and also how to use that for adult learning. So through that training, we, of course, utilize that on the benchmark side, which really helps. So we were we were poised and ready long before COVID. So a little bit of being in the right place at the right time, for sure. Very cool. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to step back a little bit and talk about you and kind of how you got where you where you are today, if you don't mind. And then we'll kind of jump back into talking about benchmark. We can't. I'll try not to bore everybody. But, yeah, we can we can do that if you if you want to go that route. For sure. I think I think people like origin stories all the time. So so tell me, Ben, like, did you go to school first? Did you know you wanted to be in sales right off the bat or did you go to school for it? What did that look like, you know, early in your life? Yeah, great question. So, you know, when I was in school, um, very, very few universities had a professional selling uh, curriculum at all. And so um, it wasn't even a thing, right? So it was, yeah, you can get like a business degree. Some, most people, especially back then and even now, kind of fall into sales. So I I stumbled into it because I was really into fitness at the time. So young teenager, high school, enjoyed working out, trying to get some big biceps, you know, figured it was kind of a cool thing to do then. So my goal was to get a job at a fitness center so I could get a free membership. Like that's that's where my head was um, junior, senior year of high school. And I started out like a lot of people do cleaning toilets. I was the night closer guy and just helped the you know, people at the fitness center close up the gym for the night. And in return, I got a free membership. So it was a win win for me. You know, I can clean toilets in 11th grade. No big deal. And um, I, I actually stumbled into having to talk somebody through a membership purchase when everybody else was gone for the evening. And so I was like, hey, you know what? I'll try to help this person. Why not see what happens? Ended up selling a gym membership kind of like accidentally. And that got noticed by the manager and was okay. able to, to get put in front of customers a little bit more often, kind of slowly. And got to the point where I was selling more memberships, working just a couple hours after school than some of the people who were working full time at, at, at that location. Very cool. So it wasn't necessarily school, but it was activities during your time while you were while you were at university. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I actually started, I was in high school, in fact. So oh, very cool. Um, from then, kind of fast forward, I'll, I'll skip the boring parts, but ended up starting a, a fitness center of my own. So my brother and I went into business together with another partner, and um, we ended up opening up four locations and and learned a lot of of business things the hard way through lots of trial and error and um, cut my teeth in sales and in business that way. It's pretty cool. Nice. So fast forward to today, you, you're a professor at the University of North Florida and you run your your, your sales training program. What got you into acad- academia as far as how, what, what inspired you to go back and, and, you know, whether you want to call it giving back or, or just, you know, being like, what inspired you to be a professor? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. So it, it's something that kind of found me more than anything. I was looking for an opportunity to just go do a presentation in a classroom, um, getting in front of some college students that maybe were, were graduating soon and looking to get into a sales career at clients that were looking for, you know, looking to hire new salespeople straight from college. So I started kind of poking around at UNF, at University of North Florida. And um, that's when I was approached and said, you know, we're looking to expand our professional selling curriculum. Are you interested? And um, that was another one of those moments where my head was going, no, probably not. You know, I'm really busy. You know? And my mouth said, yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. Why not? Uh, next thing you know, after uh, some training and, you know, of course, having a, a master's degree is a requirement. I was in the classroom working with students and have not looked back since. It is, it's, quite, it's quite an experience. Very cool. I actually graduated from the University of North Florida a lifetime ago, and one of my favorite classes or one of those moments that I had that was kind of a, a light bulb moment for me, if you will. Um, I had a professor, his name is escaping me right now, but he it was a sales class that I actually took there. And okay. the first day of class, they, he, he said, everybody grab your textbook. Everyone grabbed the textbook and he said, now put this under your desk. You're never going to use it in my class. We're going to have, it's, it's all going to be conversational. And it was one of the absolute best classes that I took. And it really did inspire me to get into sales myself. So I think that you have a tremendous opportunity to inspire a lot of people to join the profession. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. So the the topic is so relevant, right? I mean, think of how many people graduate and end up in a sales job, stumble in a sales job, even if that was the no last on their radar, they're in sales. So the topic is really relevant. And I, I get that so much. And the other sales professors that I talk to also get kind of a similar story that you just said, where students will come to you and say, you know what, in the four years of university, this was the class that impacted me the most. Um, definitely more about the topic than it is about the professor, that's for sure. Luckily for me, I get to keep up with students and see their career and see where they're going and help them if I can. So it's really rewarding. And the topic, again, is so relevant. Well, and I think that that's one of the, you know, people always talk about the pitfalls of social media. But one of the things that's really cool about it is just what you said. You can you make a connection or you or you inspire somebody. You have a way to stay connected like through their and actually see their progress as a professional and you know, it might not, it's not all you, but it is absolutely an impact that you've made in their life. Yeah, I, I think so too. And when you brought up uh, pitfalls of social media, man, we can go a million different directions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so one thing that just sticks out with that is you see a lot of like, you know, don't waste your time going to college or don't waste time going to university or university is dead. And people really trying to discourage students from going to college. And I get a lot of students actually ask me about that. They're like, you know, I'm only here because my parents want me to be, they expect me to be, they're forcing me to, you know, whatever the story is. And they're like, but do I really need to be here? 
is this really something that is worth my investment? And, and the answer to that too, it, that's, I mean, I think it's so relevant is it's really all about the hustle. You know, thinking of like a, like a gym membership, you can go and have a gym membership, piddle around in the gym and not get anything out of it. So would you say that a gym membership or working out is a waste of time? Probably not, right? Exercise is really good for you. There's so much research on that. It's just that it's what you put into it that matters. And so the same thing goes in a university setting, right? Social media telling people not to go to school. Really, you know, go to school. Just don't piddle around. Hustle while you're there. Work while you're there. So it's it's. I like this topic a lot, and I think that it's 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 a it's kind of dangerous because I think it gets into politics a little bit because I think that what has happened is is that is that education has been politicized so much over the last call it five to ten years, and so people are they're choosing a side where we shouldn't be choosing a side. We should be talking about, to your point, what are people getting out of education, not not you know which party is in control of education. That being said, I think that you are also in an incredible, you, you have an incredible viewpoint because you're dealing with the education of you know people as they're going into secondary education. And then you are also focused on adult professional education. So yeah. you get to see kind of the people that are going because they feel like they have to, or if they want to, but they've kind of, you kind of get both sides there, but then you get the people who are actually desiring saying, I don't have the skill set or I don't have the tools that I need. And so I'm going to invest my own money or my company's going to invest money and in making sure that I'm better at what I do every day. Uh, that's a great point. It, it is very different to see that. Yeah, of course there are some similarities you know, there's parallels sure. there, but it is, it is really different, especially when the you know those that are out of the university setting have had the opportunity to fail right you know failure is such an important way to learn and and to grow and so a lot of times when we get a new client especially ones that that, that invest the money on their own right not because their company is requiring it um a lot of times they fail not necessarily sure. fail to the point where they were living on the streets but they skinned their knees a little bit and they're like you know what i i know i want to continue sharpening my tools and usually those are the ones that hustle the most that invest the, the most time into it and they get the results so fast. No doubt. Well, I think that if you're if you haven't failed, you haven't tried. I mean, I think that, you know, all of those axioms that that talk about that, they're so true, because if you're not pushing yourself to the point at which you you find your limits, then you, you're not pushing yourself to your limits, I think, by definition. So I think that there's I think failure is something that everybody who is pushing themselves experiences at some point, if not multiple times, because every time you reach that level to where you you've reached your 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 current potential, then you you have to test those limits again to see where it's, what's next for you. Man, I, I wish I heard you say that 30 years ago. And, and actually, the crazy thing is I heard that so many times growing up, you know, late teens, early 20s. And I didn't I didn't quite get it. I'm a little bit of like a perfectionist and kind of stand back and want to make sure that I don't embarrass myself or do the wrong thing. And that that quote that you said, right, if you're not failing, you're not trying. Man, that couldn't be more true. I mean, that is so, so true, so powerful. And I, I wish it didn't take me so long to learn that. So any random people that are early in their career that heard what you just said, Jesse, man, take heed to that because you've got to go out there. You've got to go try. You've got to put yourself out there. And then you've got to learn from it, pick right back up and then go do it again. No doubt. Well, and I'll tell you, for me, I played baseball growing up as a kid and I played through school and one of the biggest lessons that I got from playing baseball was the fact that if you fail 
two out of three times, you're still pretty good at what you're doing. And, <laughs> and so it's and so to me, I learned failure and that failure was OK at a very early age. But it was really by accident. It was just because it was through something that I really enjoyed doing. And I think that there are a lot of people through no fault of their own. They could be really talented as a young person, but they never experience failure. So by the time they reach adulthood, it failure doesn't feel so good. So I think that they they end up kind of shying away from the feeling of failure rather than embracing it and accepting it as part of the process. Um, man, again, so true in that. And you all are so fortunate to have learned that doing something you love, especially with probably you know the coaches around you, the team around you, you fail two out of three times and they're still cheering when you do that one big thing that helped get the final score, help your team you know, go to the next level. And that's what we miss a lot in business and definitely miss that in the college setting or you know, even the new career setting is celebrating the wins, regardless of how many losses it took to get there. We've got to be able to do that. You know, I I learned I actually didn't really embrace this, Jesse, until about 15 years ago. But the halfway point of my career, which was sure. embarrassingly late to really embrace this. And it was working with somebody um, who I still stay in touch with today. So if they're watching this, they know who they are, but I won't mention any names. Um, this person's brilliant. This person's extremely wealthy. This person is known as having the Midas touch. Okay. And watching him in action, I was fortunate enough to work with them for years and really closely and watching him in action, he did what you said. I mean, he probably made five bad, dumb decisions a week. And then he would make two that took our company to the next level every single week. And when he made those five mistakes, he never even thought about them again. He brushed them off like they didn't happen. He was just looking for the next opportunity to do something great. And I really learned a lot from that was, you know, instead of dwelling my mistakes or dwelling when I do something stupid or wrong, which happens very often, I've gotten a lot better, not perfect at just brushing it off and moving forward to the next one. I think we learned that too with the Jag season last year too. Right. Or watching Brett Favre play quarterback for 20 years. You could watch him throw seven interceptions and throw a game winning touchdown. And then he's on ESPN. So <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, how do they do that? Like, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So those, again, those people who are watching this, I mean, really embrace that for gold because that's what it is. And it can help you propel, propel so much more, so much faster. No doubt. No doubt. So tell me, do you guys specialize in any industries? Like, are there anything, any types of industries that you focus in? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And and no, there's not. So a lot of okay. people, when we first launched, said, hey, you got to pick a niche, you know, pick real estate, pick fitness because you were in that, um, you know, pick a niche and stick with that. And we, yes, you got to pick a niche, right? A niche is really important. A niche does not necessarily mean a specific industry, right? So our niche looks, it looks very different than just a specific industry. We're looking for companies that want to develop their team, right? Okay. That's a niche, not companies that are looking for some script design or so, or kind of a quick fix. Uh, in fact, I'll never forget walking into a customer's, one of our first customers um, early on, um, you're getting the meeting was a big deal, right? So I got the meeting uh, through all kinds of snares and toils to get there, got the meeting. And before I could even say hello, I kid you not, she she looks right at me and says, if you're trying to sell us some quick fix sales training, just know we're not interested. And when she said that, it was like all the pieces that we, we had been working on in our design fit together. I'm like, man, I'm so glad you said that. And we've been working with that company for years um, and because they were interested in developing their people. 
And they they survived COVID like no other because of that commitment of people development. And that's what that's really our niche is companies that understand the value of developing their team. Nice. So I, I guess my my next question is really kind of along your process as far as so that that doesn't necessarily look like a meeting and kind of selling, like you said, you're not selling them a product, you're not selling them something that's a six-month service. You're 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 generating a relationship. You're creating something that that doesn't exist for them right now, but you're not, you're not looking to, you know, kind of hold their hand for a few months and then let them go off on their own. It's something that you guys are staying connected to these companies and you guys are essentially becoming their training department, if you will. hundred percent. So, and, and think about what that looks like for an organization, small, medium-sized business, they can't afford to have a training department. Right. So having access to our team with the knowledge and experience that we have and the best practices that we have, they're, they're getting a, uh, an option to use something really valuable for a fraction of the price. So, you know, really helpful for them. And then you also the larger organizations that we work with, we work parallel with their internal training and development team. And we're bringing in outside knowledge while also understanding their their operation intimately. So we're able to jump into a new team or a different department with extensive knowledge of their organization while also bringing in that third party perspective. It's it's amazing to see it in action. No doubt. Well, and I think that there's it's a it's a lot different feel too when you're talking about a relationship. You're talking about you know something that's you're not you're not leaving them. You're not. Nothing. There's not a beginning and an end per se. There's just a start to the relationship and it's ongoing. And I think that there's a tremendously different psychological feel to that from a from, you know, from the leadership or the ownership of a business versus when they feel like, OK, I've got to get as much as I can out of this because it's going to end in three months or it's going to or I'm going to have to pay again. You know, it's it's just a it's a it's a much different feeling, I think, than than when you're talking about to your point. And I'll and I'll go off on a little bit of a, you know, from an accounting perspective, when you're able to expense a service rather than pay taxes and pay benefits and pay things that a whole de- that a whole training department cost, not that it's bad for anybody who's watching who's in who's in training, but when you can show a small business how you can give them something that most of the time they don't have access to unless they grow the business and, and spend quite a bit of money to to develop and build a training program, it's it's you know it, it pays for itself. It's incredibly invaluable. Yeah, yeah, I love what you said. There is, you know, access, right? Access mm-hmm. to that because there's so many small and medium-sized businesses out there with amazing leadership, very talented, very smart leadership. Um, they can't afford to bring in a, a full training and development department, right? And a lot of times, they also can't afford afford some of these really big global names out there. So they've tried to do without. Right. And that's really an inner benchmark training for that reason, so that they can have access to that global knowledge without having to really break the bank. Well, and I'm sure you can speak on this much better than I can, but people desire to continue to learn or they want to feel like their company is investing in them as well. And that's one of those things that helps you attract and retain talent. So, you know, I'm sure that you're doing a you're doing something for those companies that you know, again, it's invaluable. It's something that you, you can quantify it because you can quantify how long someone stays or how many, you know, the type of talent that they're bringing in. But, but if you could talk on that a little bit, I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah. And I I think what you're saying is right on. There's really two kind of opposite ends to this. So to, to really follow your point there, I remember the first time going into a team development training session 
And two of the five people that were going to be in this small group training uh, had been with the company for more than 30 years, the same company for more than 30 years. Right. And the coaches, they were looking at us going, holy moly, like we're going to get so much pushback from these people. Like <laughs> how in the world are we going to train them? Like how are we going to develop them? Right. Right. And so, uh, you know, obviously we go in there prepped and with an open mind. Uh, that's going to be first and foremost. And man, like we still talk to these people. Like it is amazing how open they are and they were, these veterans, into learning new things, developing themselves, sharpening their song, right? 30 years into the same company, people who know their job inside and out. They know every player in their industry. And they're coming to us with, like, you know, with an open mind, ready to learn, ready to grow. And that was such a valuable lesson for me in realizing that, to your point, people are looking to grow. People want to continue to be, to be better, even if they consider themselves experts, right? Now, the other side of that spectrum, and that's an obligation on us as trainers and developers, is that we've got to meet them where they are, right? I'm sure you've been there, people watching this have said, you know, seen a calendar invite from their boss saying you're going to a train a, a training and they're like, oh, man, like I'm so busy. Like who's got time for that? Like we've got to be relevant and meet them where they are in their space, whether they've been there for five months, 35 years, right? That's the job of a trainer. And so the, one of the most important things that we do as coaches is uh, we make a commitment to all of our clients that we're going to be relevant whether it's a large group, small group, or one-on-one, is that we're going to be relevant to what's happening in your world right now, this week, right? So we have to make sure we keep that promise. And the other part is meeting them where they are at their level. If they're beginners and figuring things out, we meet them there. If they've been on their, in their role for decades and they're trying to just strive and continue to improve, we meet them there. No, I think that's wonderful. One of my favorite things that I always ask people when I when I would hire them in a sales role when I was in a management capacity was asking people how they learn, you know, because I mean different different people learn different ways. You know, what yeah. some people are visual learners, some people like to read and you know follow instruction. Some people are, you know, some people are much more feel and emotional based. And I think that it's just, I think to your point, the fact that you guys are willing to do that, the fact that you are flexible and that you guys are trying to figure out what's the best way that I can reach the individuals that are sitting in front of me, that puts you head and shoulders above many people who call themselves sales trainers. Ben, I feel like we could talk forever and I would would love to have you back on the show. Um, This has been great. Uh, If people are interested in learning more about Benchmark and learning more about yourself, where can they find you guys? Uh, well, definitely check us out online, mybenchmarktraining.com. So you can find us there. Um, and we should be connected on LinkedIn. So search me, Ben Hippley, on LinkedIn. Of course, you can find Benchmark Training LLC on LinkedIn as well, uh, and our coaches and our team members as well on LinkedIn. Um, we should be connected on LinkedIn. So if you're watching this, make sure you go find us there for sure. Excellent. I, again, thank you so much for joining me today. And I will make sure that all my listeners have links at the bottom of, of this of the Great. videos when I put them out and then also with the podcast. So thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Happy to be here. See you. Benchmark Training has a lot of great resources for folks if they're interested in improving their sales and leadership skills or that of their employees. I'll tell you what, even just roaming around their website, there's so many great resources. There's articles on how to improve collaboration in the workplace. There's development tools for success. There's, you know, articles on on three steps to the cold calling process. All kinds of stuff that will benefit you as a salesperson and also benefit your team. 
If you have any interest in involving benchmark training in your business's construction of a culture of profitability through people development, reach out to Ben Hippoly. That's going to wrap us up for this week. I'll catch you guys next time.